Hey everyone, this is Dr. Michael Walden. Welcome again to another exciting episode of Ask the Blood Detective. The title of today's show is Second Wave Health Building Strategies. So I don't tend to focus on the political aspects of things on this show. I focus pretty much exclusively upon uh, health issues. But since we are dealing with uh, COVID and we live in a COVID world, I thought that a show that explores details of how a person can improve their resiliency against external invaders like COVID. So this show is going to cover a variety of important organs in the body and how you figure out if there are issues with those organs, like your lungs, for example, possibly without even knowing you have an issue that might make you susceptible to COVID. The second wave, or whatever you want to call it, you know, semantics here is a little bit uh, skewed because some people say that there's a second wave, or why aren't we calling this the third wave, or maybe this is just nothing. What are we talking about? Well, suffice it to say that, at least in my belief, a COVID will be around for quite a long time. I would say certainly minimally several years, if not several decades, and possibly longer. And that's based upon how other viruses uh, have propagated through uh, societies and how conditions such as the flu and other viral infections like herpes 1, herpes 2, Epstein-Barr virus, there's a long list of them, including the other six or seven types of coronaviruses, have become endemic. And that basically means they're, they're part of our daily lives. There seems to be something particularly important about the novel coronavirus in the sense that, at least I believe, we need to take extra precautions beyond those that we ever have for improving not just our immune systems, but all other comorbid conditions that would predispose a person to not only contracting COVID when exposed, but also allow the individual to successfully manage the condition. Because there is very little scientific study on COVID at this point relative to nutrition, a lot of what I'm saying is based upon, as I mentioned earlier, my experience with all manner of viruses that I've managed with my patients over the last 31 or so years of my clinical holistic health practices. So like all other episodes of Ask the Blood Detective, my one intention or my main intention is to have you truly understand what it is I'm talking about here so you can integrate this knowledge into your daily choices relative to COVID. I suppose I should also mention that I'm fully aware that many of you, particularly who listen to shows like this, have a variety of opinions regarding the importance of COVID. So if you're listening to this show now, I'm going to assume that you believe that COVID could potentially hurt you or others that you know if they're exposed. One interesting fact, by the way, about COVID and other types of viruses is that when you expose yourself to many people who have various mutated strains of COVID and you're exposed to those, 
that is a viral load that is much higher than if you were exposed to fewer people or if you were exposed to a certain number of individuals who practice the proper precautions. So what I'm saying is that I believe that people should be wearing masks. I am fully aware that various types of masks have different levels of uh, protection. None of them are full against uh, the novel coronavirus. And also, clearly, common sense would tell us that distance also makes a difference. And some of you may or may not have heard that the structure of COVID is such that it has a flatter configuration to it structurally. So it can float in the air for very long periods, um, even tens of feet, let alone six feet. But these are the current guidelines. So I would suggest to everyone out there that no matter how well you manage your nutritional health and well-being, and we'll be talking about that for the entirety of the show, it's important and essential, and there is not a replacement for the proper precautions such as hand washing, hand washing well and appropriately, wearing face masks, and keeping a healthy distance, whatever that might be. So do I believe, my patients ask me, do I believe in the second wave? Um, you know, I believe that viruses and I believe that COVID will go up and down in terms of its infectivity to people in the general public. And there will be periods of time when there is more infection and uh, more positive testing, obviously. Uh, and there are also uh, tests that will not show that someone has COVID even when they do. But my point is that there will be more infections overall. And just by the sheer numbers, there will be more deaths overall. So because we are still learning about this virus, the one thing we know quite a lot about is how a person can nutritionally improve their health. So I'm gonna start off, first of all, by giving you what we call in, in, uh, in medical circles and holistic health, a clinical pearl. A clinical pearl is a special piece of information that could make a real difference in your life relative to the second wave conversation we're having. Before I give you that pearl, I just wanna introduce myself to those who are new to the show. I've got a lot of new listeners. I've been getting lots of emails wanting, to, wanting me to cover this topic and uh, from people that have never heard of the show where they came across uh, Ask the Blood Detective and they liked what they heard and they got in contact with me and I appreciate that. So my name is Dr. Michael Wald. I've been practicing in the holistic healthcare field for over 30 years. My father was a nutritionist and chiropractor before me and he instilled with me a, a love of science and a love of nutritional chemistry and he had a passion for it as well. So for me, I always knew what I was going to do since probably, I think it was fourth grade when someone asked me, what do you wanna do when you grow up? And I said, I wanna be just like my dad. And that's exactly what happened. So my point here in telling you this is that I've learned to manage my health over a very long period of time. And I believe that if I should get a COVID infection, my body will deal with it with very little fanfare. Now, I can't guarantee you that, but based upon the things that I've done for my body, which I will share with you in a moment, these things statistically make a difference in terms of your resiliency. And resiliency is a term that refers to 
how well your body manages itself against an infectious agent from the outside. Now, back to that clinical pearl. Have you ever heard of N-acetylcysteine or NAC? I'll say that again, N-acetylcysteine. I'm not referring to cysteine, I'm referring to N-acetylcysteine. This is my first and number one pick for those wanting to protect their bodies from viral infections that have a propensity to the lungs. You know, way back a few months ago, there was this whole big push to produce respirators. And then it was found out that the respirators don't work in most cases. And the reason why they don't work in most cases to deliver oxygen to an individual who has a pulmonary or lung complication of COVID is because COVID, among other derangements of the body and the lungs, causes excessive mucus production and inflammation, along with microclotting and, and other things. Now, when you think about the lungs, the lungs are basically spongy organs made of cells called alveolar cells that manage oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange. So when there's inflammation of the lungs and there's mucus buildup plugging up these air sacs, these alveolar cells, even if you give someone oxygen, that oxygen quite often does not or cannot make its way through the mucus layer and have it oxygen delivered to the alveolar cells. So that's why these respirators were not working. N-acetylcysteine or NAC is a mucolytic agent. That's a fancy term for it breaks up mucus. That's what it does. It does it so well that it's used for cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic condition that results in, among other problems in the body, with excessive mucus formation in the lungs. And these lung infections in those with cystic fibrosis dramatically shorten the lifespan of those affected with cystic fibrosis. One of the reasons for the increased morbidity and mortality of those with cystic fibrosis is that the lungs, because of all the mucus formation, predispose the person to upper respiratory tract infections that tend to kill them or shorten their lives. We know that N-acetylcysteine works for breaking up mucus. We know that N-acetylcysteine increases the important immune molecule in the lungs known as glutathione, remember that? N-acetylcysteine is one of the best ways of producing glutathione in the body and it has many other beneficial effects. One of which I've just described in detail, it helps break up mucus. Number two, which I just mentioned is it increases glutathione in the lungs within 15 minutes of an oral dose. And we've known that for a solid 20 years. And I know that because when no one else was talking about NAC and I was lecturing on various conditions across the country to physicians and practitioners of all types, it was always number one or two on my hot list of clinical pearls. The amount of N-acetylcysteine a person should take is the minimum amount on the bottle and you can look at blooddetective.com and NAC for my recommendations, or if you go to blooddetective.com and look up NAC, you can read much more about that particular product. 
But N-acetylcysteine is also a chelator, which means it binds to heavy metals and brings them out of the body. It also enhances what's known as phase two liver detoxification, which takes fat-soluble toxins in the body, which are really hard to excrete, get out of the body, and it turns them into water-soluble forms, which can be urinated out. I could go on with more positive benefits of N-acetylcysteine, but I need to impress upon you, I cannot express more strongly the importance of N-acetylcysteine. To get the proper dose, I run a body composition on my patients. A body composition, as many of you know from other shows that I've done, which by the way, you can listen to at my website, drmichaelwald.com under the blog section, or just search the search bar on the homepage for any topic that you'd like, is to look at the body composition results, which give me a metabolic rate. If I know your metabolic rate, I know how you burn calories internally, and that helps to dose N-acetylcysteine for your body. I mean, think of it this way. If you have more lean mass on your body uh, and a certain amount of fat and a certain amount of water, and think of the person next to you or a bunch of people that you know do you really think that everyone needs the same amount of N-acetylcysteine or the same amount of vitamin C or the same amount of a multivitamin or the same amount of vitamin D? No, of course not. But mostly what I see throughout my day are individuals who are taking not enough, usually, of a particular supplement. One way of figuring out the dose of a supplement is an estimate based on just the weight of someone. But we know that it's more accurate if you keep in mind the metabolic rate along with the percentage of muscle, water, and fat on the body and something called phase angle. Phase angle, you might have heard before in other shows, I've done, I did an entire show on phase angle because it is one of the most important measurements that predict whether or not your health efforts are lending themselves to greater health longevity. When I say health longevity, I don't necessarily mean living longer, although that might be nice, right? But living longer in what's called the non-disability stage of life, where you are fit to live life. So when I measure these parameters on a body composition, I get a very accurate glimpse of whether or not your efforts are really adding up to anything other than you feeling good for a day, a week, a month, or even a couple of years. How we feel and our health are two completely different animals. There are a number of people who have died of COVID and gotten very sick that initially appeared quite well. They didn't seem to have any problems uh, that they knew of, no major comorbid conditions even that are on the list because we can't know all of the things wrong based on how we feel only. But those of us that are more susceptible to COVID generally speaking, appear sicker, although that's not a guarantee because lots of factors go into one's susceptibility to a virus other than even their comorbid conditions. But it is safe to say that the more sick you know you are, the greater your probability of getting COVID and having a worse course of that disease. 
As far as the lungs go, one of the things that I do with my patients who wish to improve their lung health, which is a main factor in COVID and second wave protection, is by checking your actual lung function. And some of you have said to me, Dr. Wald, I had my lung function checked. I went to the pulmonologist and he or she said that it was normal. Keep in mind, folks, that normal in regular medicine is different than how I consider normal. I can only speak for myself. If you get a normal pulmonary function test and you're 60 years old, let's say, or 50 years old or 75 years old, you are being compared to other men or women that are white or black or whatever in your age range. You're not being compared to the healthiest lungs in that age range. So no matter what your pulmonary function test is when I do a baseline of it, I always want it better than normal, always. I push my physiology to the limits of what I can do. And that's exactly what I do with my patients. And the way that you can do that is to consider some of these functional tests like pulmonary lung function. And then if we determine you want that improved, if it needs to be improved, we talk about methods of improving it. Besides nutrients like NAC, there are many other supplements, and I'll mention more as we move along, and lifestyle factors that are needed to improve the lungs health. But the lungs don't exist in a vacuum. They are anatomically and intricately connected to the heart, and um, the heart has connections, fascial connections to the diaphragm, and then there's the intestines underneath that. So everything moves everything. So it's important to take a, a look at the whole health of the person. And that sometimes means identifying some weak areas. And I do this through careful conversation with people and also the use of detailed questionnaires that can help me hone in on some apparently weak areas. And then we develop a strategy for strengthening those areas and then testing them to see are they actually better. So is your resiliency actually improved so you have the best chance of brushing off a COVID infection as, as possible? And fundamentally speaking, we also believe that a healthier diet is a very good idea when you want to improve your general health and well-being. And a healthy diet means different things to different people. So for example, I had a person in yesterday, this is just a simple example to make a point, and this 27-year-old uh, gentleman wanted to uh, gain muscle. And he was running a lot of miles per week, and he was eating a very clean plant-based diet. But that was the wrong diet for someone who wants to improve muscle mass. It, it just can't work. So I kept him on his plant-based diet because that is fundamentally great, unless you're allergic or have some sort of intolerance to uh, plant-based foods, it's the best way to go, I would say. And then I built a more personalized food plan by emphasizing certain foods in the plant-based diet and then adding, adding certain supplements to have him uh, gain more lean mass. And I was in the same boat as this gentleman, uh, although I'm a lot older than, than he, in that I run marathons. And I also want some muscle on my body. So I had to make those adjustments in my good diet 
to allow me to achieve what I needed to achieve. And my personal health involves a strong emphasis upon the immune system and the nervous system because of multiple sclerosis, which some of you know I was diagnosed with when I was just 18. So there is no healthy diet for everyone. Of course there's not. And, if, and to say that there is, is a generalization. And all generalizations are wrong, all of them, because there are always exceptions to every rule. In fact, there are far more exceptions to the healthy diet rule than there are people who actually fit in that, that tight, um, limited category. Some of you are thinking, well, you know, the paleo diet, that's the best diet. For who? And what does that even mean? The so-called paleo efforts that are being promoted today have no resemblance to what our early ancestors ate at all. And which early ancestors are we talking about? Are we talking about those ancestors that lived close to the shore where they had diets higher in fish and therefore omega-3 fatty acids that uh, anthropologists have demonstrated had larger skulls because of larger brains and were probably more intelligent? Or what about the early hominids that ate that lived more inland or who lived in China or who lived in Indonesia or whoever else, there's no paleo diet. There are paleo diets and some mishmash of things because of all the cross breeding and all of that. And here we are today trying to figure out, thinking we should be going back to some ancient diet. We, we don't even know what that is. They certainly didn't eat, you know, whey, which is part of a lot of these paleo diets. So my point is that when I sit down with a patient, I figure out what their food plan should be based on a lot of, of interview, a lot of questioning, and some trial and error in terms of testing and retesting to see what's working for that person, and then to form the food plan around that so it's doable for an individual. They don't have to be extremely strict, unless there are reasons to be, because when you have more information on your chemistry, you can make smarter, more uh, individualized and personalized food choices. Having said that, just to summarize regarding the lungs, the, your lungs need to be improved. A minimum way of doing that is the use of N-acetylcysteine. And the other very important assessment is you need to know how you're absorbing. I almost never see a patient in my office who's been to other nutritional practitioners that has done malabsorption tests. I can't remember once. That doesn't mean they don't exist. That just means I haven't seen them in 31 years. So, for example, yesterday I had a woman come in and she's very committed to getting well naturally. And she put about, I don't know, three inches of testing that she had done at another nutritionist, very expensive testing, which um, was all unnecessary. Things like genetic testing, things like organic acid testing, and saliva hormone testing. The reason why these tests were unnecessary is because all of them depend upon how well the person absorbs. So if you have abnormalities in all of those tests I just mentioned, sometimes they can all be fixed by identifying the level of absorption and then making adjustments in the diet and supplements. Then once you've done that for a few months or some period of time, depending on you know, what I think is appropriate for the person, then you figure out what their needs are uh, for testing, if, if you need testing. 
uh, she presented with detailed genetic testing. Almost none of the genetic tests were clinically useful at all. You know, we know the entire human genome and we're all still gonna die mostly of about four diseases. So why spend money on tests that are interesting but we don't need? There are a couple of exceptions like MTHFR gene, but there are only a few. So save your money on unnecessary tests and get tests like absorption tests because they're so fundamental. And you realize that, right? You can't do anything in terms of health improvement or health building in your body unless you're absorbing. And we all absorb to different extents or different rates. So if you malabsorb, let's say 50%, don't you think your diet and your supplements need to change? Uh, focused on trying to fix that malabsorption, but in the meantime, because sometimes it takes a little while, but in the meantime, trying to make up for what your body can absorb, which can be done when you, when you take diet and nutritional supplements in a smart way, you can make up for some amount of malabsorption until you fix that malabsorption. So there's a lot of wasted time and money and people not getting the right tests. You always wanna ask your practitioner, will the result of this test change how you treat me? And if they say yes, you say how exactly? They should be able to tell you something. If they can't or they say I don't know, you might wanna get a second opinion on that because if the practitioner doesn't know how the test might improve things, then why are they doing it? So that's super common, uh, it's more the rule actually than the exception. And then the other thing to protect your health from COVID uh, and, your, and improve your health in general is to have your nitric oxide levels measured. That's a urine, I'm sorry, that's a blood test that measures nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a vasodilator. So it opens up blood vessels. Blood vessels to your lungs, bringing more oxygen in, improving your health of the lungs or any part of your body, hopefully before you're exposed to COVID. And it's a pretty safe bet that everyone within listening of my voice right now will be exposed to COVID by the end of next year. That's pretty reasonable in terms of how it seems to be going through the populations. Although it's safe to say that far more people have not been exposed so far, we think, that's my guess, than have actually been exposed. So I think we're probably still dealing with the tip of the iceberg issue. Having said that, nitric oxide opens up blood vessels to all areas of the body, and that's a good thing. You know, opening up blood, which carries nutrition everywhere, is a very fundamental thing to do. And if you have low nitric oxide levels or undetected nitric oxide levels, then you could benefit from certain nutrients, like an amino acid formula that has arginine that helps to produce nitric oxide. Magnesium sometimes does that as well, and vitamin C, and a whole bunch of plant products that you can find in my superfood formulas on my website at blooddetective.com. They're called superfoods one, two, three, and four. These are scientifically formulated superfoods where the amounts of the different herbs and foods in the product are known. 
That is very different than lots of other superfoods that just throw a bunch of things in a container and then they call it a proprietary blend and you don't even know how much of what is in there. So the fundamental food change that I make with all my patients is I place them on these four superfood products because among them, they give you the equivalent of over a hundred different vegetables, fruits, herbs, by just taking four scoops of something. And that will supplement a diet dramatically in anti-inflammatory nutrients, in detoxification nutrition, in immune modulating, detoxifying nutrients, you name it. Nutrients and herbs that are in these products, I personally formulated them based upon exhaustive review of the medical and nutritional literature at the National Library of Medicine database. And that database has over 3 million citations from 1966 to the present, more like 4 million. So that's how I put things together. Another test is to check your lactic acid. Lactic acid is a byproduct of oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange at red blood cells. Many people produce too much lactic acid and they don't know it. They may not have symptoms. Sometimes people will have symptoms of too much lactic acid when they, let's say, exercise and they get muscle aches or um, uh, an aches and pains, let's say, whether you're running or, or exercising, and that's due to lactic acid buildup. There's other chemicals that are built up as well, but lactic acid's a major one. And lactic acid is an acid, as its name implies, and that can turn the body's or the blood's pH towards the low end, towards the acid range. Although it'll never, well, what I was going to say is that a person doesn't ever have acid blood. That just doesn't happen. Uh, they could have more acid blood than they sh should have, relatively speaking. So for example, your blood pH, not your saliva and your urine, your blood pH should be about 7.4. If you're 7.3, that's 0.1 difference. In pH language, 0.1 difference is 10 times abnormally low due to a 10 time higher concentration of hydrogen ions, which add acidity to the blood, which is pro-inflammatory. Pro so if you're not in excellent pulmonary shape, lung shape and cardiovascular shape, because they go together, you probably have excessive lactic acid, which can be lowered with the right uh, nutrition, which is based upon your individual situation. Your situation and your high lactic acid may be very different than my situation. The way to lower lactic acid is to improve aerobic and anaerobic capacity of the body. And along the course of doing that, let's say through the proper exercise, nutrition, like the nutrition in the superfoods, are required to quench excessive free radical reactions and to help stabilize red blood cells. So it's always good to look also at your blood work under a microscope. So microscopic analysis in the form of a dark field test enables practitioners who do these tests to 
visually see the sh shapes of red blood cells, the size of red blood cells, the movement of immune cells like neutrophils, which are a type of white blood cell. We could see various bacteria, even fungi and parasites microscopically that don't show up on regular testing. All of the characteristics I just shared with you that are just a handful of about 35 or so different characteristics of your blood can be assessed with just a drop of blood viewed under 400 times magnification. This can make the real difference because regular blood tests, although potentially useful, regular blood tests are not functional in nature. They're not qualitative. The quality of the red blood cell size, shape, is it sticking, is it not? For example, you cannot assess that by just counting up the number of red blood cells on a regular blood test. So one test, you're counting things, red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, cholesterol, and the dark-filled microscopy, you're actually looking at the function of those individual blood constituents. Since that is your circulation, whatever is abnormal under the microscope, the goal is to fix it all because that's what the individual needs to build their immune resiliency, build their health immun immunity, uh, and improve their overall health status. So when you think of, well, wh what do you take, Dr. Wald? What do you take for that abnormality? I can give you a couple of nutrient suggestions, but they're not going to be necessarily accurate because people need what they need for their needs. This is the mantra that I've used for years and years and years, which is so seemingly difficult for not just the lay public to understand sometimes, but even my professional colleagues. I know that because I'll give a seminar for six hours about the need for individualization, and then they'll ask me about protocols, which are the same things you would do for a given name of a condition. What would you do, Dr. Wall, for rheumatoid arthritis? What would you do for COVID? What would you do for this? Well, there are a couple of things we would do. We would, everyone would take NAC, the amounts we don't know, and what else does that person need based on their, their health histories and their current health issues and their health goals and what they're willing to do and what their diet looks like? Are they taking any medications? What's their age? What's their sex? All of these things and many, many more factors have to be considered to do this exactly right. Another test that's, I would say, critical is called MDA. That's an inflammatory marker. If you were to go to my website at drmichaelwald.com and look up MDA in the search bar, you'll get more information on this test. And if you want to send me some questions or show or topics uh, ideas, you can send those to me at info at blooddetective.com. That's blood detective. There's two Ds in the center there. Okay, And on um, blooddetective.com as well, uh, the website, you can look up a lot of the nutrients I'm talking about and read further descriptions of them. Okay, so MDA, malonyldehyde, is a very important, well-proven, scientifically researched inflammatory marker. If you have inflammation going on, and most of you know you do, and then you're exposed to an infection like COVID, it might trigger an inflammatory response that generates a cascade of inflammatory events in your body. 
That means you got the ball rolling and now everything's rolling is how this COVID can work. And, but if you've taken steps at lowering your inflammatory state in your body prior to exposure, think of it this way. Imagine yourself standing up in a room and inflammation in your body, let's say it's up to your knees, um, just for the illustra- uh, an illustration purposes. And then you're exposed to COVID, that might shoot that inflammation all the way above your head, meaning you will have one heck of a COVID infection to deal with. But if you have little or no COVID, I mean, I'm sorry, little or no inflammation prior to COVID, where let's say it's at the, the level of your pinky toe, and then you're exposed to COVID and then COVID increases it up, it might only reach you know, your eyeballs, which means not past your head where it can really cause a problem. I hope that illustration was clear. What I'm trying to say is if you lower your body's burden of inflammation on a daily basis, when you're exposed to inflammatory triggers like COVID, you should do better. The people that do not do well with COVID, as you might expect, have extreme total body responses to COVID. They get this inflammation in the lungs with multiple clots and bleeding issues. And that doesn't just happen in the lungs, it happens in a lot of organs. COVID affects the body in ways that are unprecedented based upon uh, information regarding not only other types of coronaviruses, but any other virus, uh, often resulting in uh, death from um, a multitude of organ uh, failure. So we can't get away from what we've always known. We always need to look at our body holistically. We need to not merely give lip service to holistic, but actually manage that by doing a few tests and doing the right questionnaires and conversation and implementing those things on a daily basis that matter. If you skip your nutrients for one day, that's a problem. That is a problem. Because you skip your nutrients for one day, let's say your NAC, you take it, your levels are great, you skip it for a day, those levels can tank to maybe even a tenth of what they were when you were taking it. And then if you start taking it again, it might take three, four, five, six, seven days to increase again. So you must be regimented in this new world of novel corona. The MDA test is a urine test that allows me to manage the level of oxidative stress in a person's body. So if you have an MDA level that's elevated to different lengths uh, or heights, then that means you have a certain amount of inflammation affecting your cell membranes because it's a, a byproduct MDA of cell membrane inflammation. And just so you know, inflammation is the same as oxidative stress. If you take the appropriate antioxidants and you need many of them, that's why superfoods are very important. Um, Again, check out the superfoods products number one, two, three, and four at blooddetective.com. If you have questions about these, just send me an email through that website. So by taking a a very comprehensive nutritional food concentrate, which is what superfoods are, you lay a pretty good foundation for controlling inflammation because it's all about that and it always has been.
Let me give you another test. A test of the function of your autonomic nervous system. The nervous system, as chiropractors know, is one of the most fundamental systems in the body. This nervous system is comprised of the brain and spinal cord and the peripheral extensions of nerves that go to all of the organs. And once again, as chiropractors know, the organs get their nerves from the spine, the spinal nerves. So if there's a problem with the health of your organ, it can be reflected in your back, in your spine. Because if there's, let's say, stress in the lungs, chiropractors would expect to see um, ropey muscles, tight muscles, shortened muscles, tender muscles in the mid-back. Because the mid-back carries the nerves from the spinal cord that go to the lungs. So, of course, having yourself chiropractically managed is a very important thing. But the reason I mentioned that was that the nervous system is also accessed through the proper nutrition. So, for example, MCT oil, medium chain triglycerides, which are the compound in coconuts that everyone uh, feels is so healthy, whether they know it or not, they're talking about the MCT oil. And uh, MCT oil creates ketones in the body, which are essential molecules that repair the nervous system. The nervous system is the brains of the whole operation. So if your nervous system is healthy, you'll have proper nerve impulses, proper nerve electrical function, you might say, to your organs, and then the organs do what they're supposed to do. So other than structural changes to the spine, which by the way, I'm not saying is a, uh, a cure-all for COVID, I'm merely saying it's a, a one type of approach along with diet and supplementation and, and other things like hyperbaric oxygen that could improve one's health so that you have greater resiliency against all types of infections, all types of toxins, inflammatory mediators and triggers, and that sort of thing. But I do a test known as the autonomic nervous system function, which involves placing a strap uh, just above the mid-belly and a receiver close to the body and having the person change positions after a certain period of time. And the different positions reflect the functioning of two major parts of the nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems. Those nervous systems are complementary, but they also function, they have some independent functions. And the tissues of the autonomic nervous system require certain nutrition. For example, zinc is required for the health of the immune system. And zinc citrate is probably the best choice Zinc is also an immune modulator. It works and is required for over 175 different enzymatic reactions for overall health and well-being. So I like to use about 50 milligrams of zinc citrate for immune support. The other thing is, for example, and I failed to mention this when we were talking about the dark field microscopy, but I mentioned that you know fungus can also be visualized if it's present under the microscope. And if that fungus is there, that, that means that someone has a leaky gut. That also means that someone is malabsorbing. 
And it also means they probably would benefit from some specific nutrients like uh, berberine and caprylic acid, uh, olive leaf, uh, grapefruit, what else? Garlic, pumpkin, thyme, oregano, all of these, when taken together, are very potent against fungal organisms. But don't make the mistake, like a lot of people do, is you take some product that says Candida Gone, which by the way is the name of my product, and think that that's gonna manage that problem in and of itself. It can, the, the nutrients that I put in my Candida Gone product have been scientific, scientifically studied to effectively deal with fungus in certain situations. But there may be other causes of the fungus that need to be managed, like improving one's immune system, you see. Not just taking herbs that seem to be targeted just towards uh, the fungus. Since we're on the topic of bugs, probiotics, as many of you know, are essential for health of the entire body. We know that probiotics have such varied functions as improving depression, anxiety, and of course, digestive problems, lowering cholesterol, um, managing the immune system. 70% of your immune system is in your small intestine. And that's why it's so important to take the proper high-potency probiotics. And the probiotics need to be in the billions of numbers. And one would need to consume a certain balance of the lactobacillus acidophilus and also the bifidobacteria. And then that probiotic, depending on the person, might be best taken with food and another person might be best taken away from food. And again, all of the doses of all of the supplements and products I'm talking about should be based upon your rate of absorption and your metabolic rate. They're not difficult tests to have done and they work very, very well. The other thing you wanna do is you wanna maximize your vitamin C in your body. I use a buffered powdered vitamin C, which you can read more about on the blooddetective.com website. And when it's appropriate for my patients, and I've said this on other shows, I've advised that they take a level teaspoon of buffered powdered vitamin C mixed into two to three ounces of water, taken every 30 minutes with no food, until a loose stool is caused. When that happens, that means the person is saturated and the amount of vitamin C that they should continue with is two thirds of the amount that caused the loose stool. That is 100% of the job being done. And any less than 100% of the job being done will not get the job done. You want a buffered powdered vitamin C. You do not want ascorbic acid. And if you have any contraindications to take vitamin C, then please don't take it. The other nutritional factor for the health of the lungs, the heart and inflammation, everything we've mentioned so far is, can you guess it? Vitamin D. So if your vitamin D on a blood test is less than 30, you need to be taking a good amount of vitamin D, uh, generally speaking 50,000 units once a week for about eight weeks and then have your levels checked again. Vitamin D improves the outcome of those with corona. But you cannot just assume that you have enough vitamin D. Vitamin D levels should be a 70. 
a 70 or higher, but not greater than 100. The higher normal your blood vitamin D levels, the lower one's risk of all cause morbidity and mortality. That's a big statement. The same thing is true with the zinc I mentioned earlier. As a practical matter in terms of how to take your supplements, and in a few minutes I'll go over some more supplements that are important for the second wave, is you want to take your supplements over as many doses per day as possible. Let's say you're on the proper supplementation based on your chemistry and questionnaires and conversation and all of that, your health, everything's being considered. But let's say you just take them all in the morning. That is not going to get your blood levels up nearly as high as they need to. By just dividing your supplements in two equally divided doses with three or four hours in between can improve the absorption and utilization of your supplements. In physiology, they call that the bioavailability limit. So if you take supplements in one big pile, there's a certain absorption, but if you cut that pile in half and you take it over the course of two other times with several hours in between, you will improve the absorption of all those nutrients. If you take those nutrients three times a day, it's far better than twice a day. And believe me, folks, three times a day is rough. I, I do not do that all the time. Even though my Google Calendar alarm goes off, I am good at twice a day, and sometimes three times a day. So we're not perfect, uh, but I just wanted to tell you that that's how you make it as perfect as possible. Not just the right list of supplements, but taken in the right way. Which also means, depending on the supplements you're taking, if you take them the correct way, they're gonna work better, common sense would tell us. I'll give you an example. We just talked about probiotics. So my product is Superbugs, high potency formula. It's a pharmaceutical grade probiotic. If you take that with a protein, you can nearly double the yield of what you're taking. So if you're taking 20, million, 20 billion bugs, it's almost like taking 40 billion if you take it with a protein. And this shouldn't surprise you too much because, for example, athletes know, and I'm a sports nutritionist as well, if you take a certain amount of amino acids and protein and um, carbohydrates within 60 minutes or so after a workout, you will improve your next workout's ability and your recovery and your symptoms like muscle aches dramatically just by timing it within 60 minutes of workout. Now, if you're a more conditioned athlete, you, you can get away with taking your supplements and still getting all those benefits I just mentioned by taking it several hours after a workout. So timing matters and some nutrients need to be taken with foods. Some nutrients need to be taken without foods um, as a general rule. But someone with a specific health problem would take nutrients, maybe that the bottle says take it with food, but I would advise they take it without or time it differently based on the individual circumstance. So remember generalizations, as I mentioned earlier on the show, are, are never correct. So with each person, I help them figure out how they should take things for the greatest yield. How do you know this is working with you? Well, we said earlier that feeling great is just not enough, but of course I want my patients to feel great. 
Uh, but we want them to feel great, and we want any abnormalities that we found on their tests to also show improvement. Then, and only then, are we really getting somewhere. And these types of tests that I've mentioned, the malabsorption test, the nitric oxide test, the lactic acid test, the malonyldialdehyde test, which is that MDA inflammatory test, the body composition test, the lung function, the, the autonomic nervous system function, these are all biomarker tests. And for those of you who've heard my other prior shows, like if you look up my show on laboratory tests, you will find out that these tests are particularly good predictors of morbidity mortality, meaning the more of these tests that you have off, the greater your chances of having health issues that are chronic and uh, quality of life issues in terms of how your body ages. We know, and we've known this for a long time, and it was reiterated in a recent book by Harvard's uh, head a researcher that um, they're redefining uh, aging as a treatable disease. Well, what do you know? So those of us in the holistic area, and you know, I'm a 54-year-old man, and I feel like I'm 20. I can run as fast. I can lift weights. I could do martial arts. This didn't happen by accident. This was a plan that I had to age differently. So now with this new definition, it's a good thing for medicine to have a new definition because they really do worship definitions because definitions for them are diagnoses and they have some importance. So if aging is a curable disease, then you can actually do something about it and age much better, age well biologically. So another example, if I want to know how stiff your arteries are in your body and also how stiff your body cells are in general, and please keep in mind that the more stiff you are based on stiffness assessments, the higher your risk of health problems and contracting more health problems. So there is a FDA approved test uh, that has to do with sending a alternating current through your finger, which goes through the tiny capillaries in your finger, and those capillaries become larger blood vessels, and the, this alternating current goes throughout the entire body and bounces off the arterial wall on the inside as it races through your body. Based on the bounce back, if there's a quicker bounce back inside, it's harder, the artery wall. And if it's softer, there'll be a more flexible, different pattern. So the computer takes this bounce off and it tells me how old your arterial system is. If your arterial system is old, then your lungs are also stiff and you need flexible lungs. So that's why when you take the proper nutrition for your lungs, your arteries or anything else, you need to make sure that you're actually getting done what you think and checking the tests again at some point to know your lungs are more flexible. If you have more flexible lungs and less inflamed lungs, if you're exposed to COVID, you're gonna do much better than someone who has stiff lungs and less flexible lungs because less flexible lungs don't oxygenate as, uh, oxygenate as well, you see. So these are really interesting and very, very practical sorts of tests. Let me talk about a few other key supplements that are important, uh, I think, for any viral infection. A multivitamin. Everyone should be on a multivitamin. Um, women sometimes need a slightly different composition of multivitamin than a man. 
But the reason why you want that is a pretty obvious one. There's a lot of stuff in there. But it's not like everything you need, but it's, it's got a lot of stuff. So that serves as sort of like a baseline, just like maybe a paleo diet or a vegetarian diet might be your baseline. And then with certain health problems, you have to make adjustments to the diet, just like you make adjustments to your supplements. So a multivitamin is important for that reason. And its dose should be no less than the recommended dose on the bottle. That's how I'll address any basic dose. But then if you get individual tests or questionnaires, or you have a certain conversation with a healthcare provider, that can and often does alter uh, the nutritional dose that you might need. There's so many plant factors um, in the right superfood formulas that help protect inflammation and help repair the lungs and other tissues. They're too numerous to mention, but they vary from goji berries uh, to uh, fruit powders that would contain uh, blackberries and raspberries and black currants and plums and elderberries, figs, raisins, things like that. And there's more. And then again, the dose would be based on your needs. That would give you a nice basic set point for um, repair and for increasing the flexibility in the body. That means the skin becomes less stiff, the arteries become less stiff, the lungs very importantly become less stiff. Uh, that means circulation is better, a whole bunch of things. Because, you know, we're born flexible, right? And we die stiffs. I know I've said that a few times, but I like it. It's the truth. So along the course from birth to death uh, is a greater amount of stiffness. Unless you do something to slow that down or mitigate that or reverse that, to some extent, because you can reverse many of these biomarkers like stiffness, for example, uh, with the right supplementation. The last supplement I'll mention today is the use of omega-3 fatty acids. So omega-3 fatty acids are not to be taken by those on blood thinners, but if you're not on a blood thinner and you don't have an allergy to any of the components of an omega-3 fatty acid, omega-3 fatty acids incorporate themselves into cell membranes, making them less stiff. They're anti-inflammatory. They improve nutrient delivery. They're anti-cancer. They have antiviral effects. So everyone really needs omega-3 fatty acids as well. Uh, the dose of omega-3 fatty acids are somewhere around 1,500 EPA relative to DHA fats. And I like to put a little bit of vitamin D uh, along with my omega-3 fatty acid because it helps the product work much better. So you can look up omega-3 fatty acids on the blooddetective.com website if you'd like. So I think this is all we have time for today, how quickly time does fly. If you should have any questions, concerns, or show topic ideas, please send them to info at blooddetective.com. Uh, my name, again, is Dr. Michael Wald. I very much appreciate your fantastic uh, messages. I even get letters and cards from some of you uh, that are showing that you're grateful for the information. And I thank you all for making me better to, to talk about these concepts in this way. It's an advantage, really, and it makes my learning curve much, much better. So thank you again. My number, if you want to reach me for either distant appointment, distance appointment or a Zoom consult or a phone call or an in-person, is 914-552-1442. Take care, everyone.